Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing well. I'm back in California. Um, I'm home alone right now, so I felt I could eat refried beans for dinner without endangering anybody. Except yes. the dogs, I suppose. The the things that are usually <laughs> off the table for you, refried beans, garlic fries, et cetera, et cetera, they are now... It's free reign for you while free you have the house for... to yourself. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. But yes, we are here, as always, to talk about the Packers, our favorite thing. We're going to talk to you a little bit about today, about the uh, last open OTA practice from Tuesday, June 6th. We're going to talk to you about the last of the rookies that we have deep dives left for. That is uh, Carrington Valentine, Anders, uh, Anders Carlson, excuse me, and Anthony Johnson Jr. We're going to talk about each of them as well today. Finish up our deep dives on rookies, which is really exciting. So many to get through, and we finally look like we're reaching the light at the end of the tunnel there. We love talking about them, though. Before we do any of that, though, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, pieces of news, uh, videos we find interesting, etc., etc. So come give us a follow there. We would appreciate it. And then you can subscribe to us uh, on your podcast platform of choice, whether that be Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc. You can find us wherever you can find podcasts. And you can also find us on YouTube. We put all of our episodes there as well. Uh, Father Son Packers podcast on YouTube. And if you subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers. And so we'd really appreciate it. But, Dad, without further ado, should we get into talking about the news and notes before we get into these deep dives? And the main piece of news is pretty much OTAs 3, or the third open OTAs practice, that is. Yep. And so there's more more, more videos coming out, more people missing time, and uh, some people we haven't had a chance to see yet. But, uh, um, you know, Jair and Rasul, I don't think they, ha- they haven't been there for any of the open practices and i haven't heard anything about whether they're present for any that the media wasn't invited was, wasn't invited to and yes. uh jair and, uh, rasul so, and jonathan garvin have not been present for any of them i believe uh beyond, yeah, and, and i know i remember garvin missing all of last year as well yes he did um but you know these are optional that's what the o stands for so that's it's up to them um so those are the players that were absent uh today um players that were injured um, these are all according to Andy Herman, who did a really good job tweeting along with practice. Um, players that were injured were Dallin Levitt, Dontavian Wicks, Eric Stokes, Rashawn Gary, Jake Hansen, and Grant DeBose. So it seems like we're still not getting practices for DeBose yet, which is, you know, something to keep an eye on. Um, players who were returning, uh, Keyshawn Nixon returned from being absent from the last open one. And then Tucker Craft and Jeff Cotton both returned from being injured at the last open OTA. So that's some good news. Dad, some interesting items of note that I'm just gonna I'm gonna ping off you and you kinda tell me what you think. We'll just go one and one where I'll say it and you'll just tell me the first thing that comes to mind, just a little brief something. First thing is uh Deguaro working with the fullback separate from tight ends. What do you think? Big deal, little deal, no deal? I think my first reaction is I didn't know they had a fullback group. Yeah. <laughs> that's kinda that's my first reaction. I was gonna say I, I hope I'm I'm gonna say I think the other guy is probably not making the fifty three. I would be surprised if they It'd keep be back two to fullbacks. a group of group of one. Yes, it's, it's quite a group, but I think it makes sense. I think especially with the fact that they have invested at the tight end spot twice in the draft with some pretty decent capital, both on day two. I would be surprised if Deguara really plays a lot of true tight end snaps. I think he's going to be mostly a fullback, and that's what he's best at anyway. So it kind of makes sense to have him do something a little bit different from the rest of the tight ends. Yeah, I think some of his best players are probably like running out like on the leading on the edge right now as a, as a blocker. But but one thing I would say is maybe it means they're getting pretty comfortable with how Musgrave is looking. It's like okay, Josiah, you can work out with the with the fullbacks now. Yeah, we're we're, look, we're looking good here. Uh, in line and uh, in the slot for tight ends. Yeah, and you know, Deguara was really good as a run blocker last year. I thought the best run plays came with him on the field. And if he can just specialize on that and focus on what he's good at, you know, probably be good for the Packers as a whole. Next news item that I found interesting, uh, Yash Nyman was at right tackle with the ones, and Zach Tom was at center with the twos. Dad, thoughts on that? That surprised me a little bit, um, that, that Tom was not starting at right tackle after our, our last discussion. But maybe they... The reason they had Yash starting is because they had a plan to work Tom, give Tom some more center work this week. Yeah, and it makes sense. You know, I think we, they've said that the center spot, like there's a, there's a competition there. 
Um, it looks like it's mostly going between Myers and Tom. Myers has still taken all the snaps of the ones, which I think makes sense. You know, he pretty much he, he got hurt as a rookie and didn't play a whole lot. I would say last year was, was kind about, of his rookie year. Yeah, like so, half a year rookie year, or was it less than half? Yeah, and especially Here. with the center position, you want consistency with the center and quarterback getting like a relationship there. It, it's kind of hard to be switching it around every other practice. <laughs> Yes, you don't usually pick your uh, center based on matchups. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just getting the reps there. I mean, I, I think it'd probably be harder on Love if, if he was having to switch which center he was working with, in my opinion, at least. Um, next piece of interesting news, um, some good news. Bakhtiari was participating in team drills. He was still rotating out with uh, Caleb Jones at left tackle, but he was at least participating in team drills, which he did not at the previous practice. So that's also some good news. I'm trying to remember, was it, did Rashid Walker get... Reps at left tackle this this one or was it the time before? He got yeah. not reps at, not as a starter in either. Not I as a starter necessarily. Caleb Jones but, both. But he was getting some at, maybe at left tackle behind Caleb Jones. Uh, Rashid Walker was the third left tackle. Yeah, third left tackle, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, next uh, interesting piece of news was they started offense in twelve personnel again with Deguara and Musgrave as the like quote unquote tight ends. Um, I thought that was interesting. They had Dobbs and Watson on the outside, Deguara and Musgrave, and then. Excuse me, Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, so seems like they're going to be working with a lot of 12 personnel, which you kind of assumed when they took two tight ends so high. Right now it looks like they're going to be doing a lot of – I mean, it's almost 21 personnel if you count DeGuara as a fullback. It kind of depends where – we don't know for sure where they're lining up. They're not allowed to tell us that. But, or, or it's 11 personnel if you or, or if you count yeah. Musgrave as a slot receiver. Yeah, exactly. They're not allowed to tell us what the splits are. So it's kind of hard to tell, but that is something that I think is exciting about these players is – you got this group of personnel. They could be in a whole lot of different formations, which is very exciting. And all over the all over the field, with Musgrave being able to line up in the slot, Deguara being able to be in the backfield or like down in line as a tight a real tight end. Although I'd imagine he'd be doing a little bit less of that. It's an exciting time. Um, and then the final thing that I thought was interesting is in the first set of open OTAs, the first two. Um, Hollins and Enigbare were kind of getting the nods as the one pairing with Preston while Rashawn Gary works his way back from injury. But in this uh, third open OTAs, Lucas Van Ness was opposite Preston, which, you know, you kind of expect over time these rookies to start getting more and more reps. And it's good to see kind of Lucas Van Ness, like, progressing along that track. This, I hadn't, I'd missed this. Um, this is kind of exciting, actually. Remember, like, last year, Quay Walker started taking over as a starter in the linebackers. In OTAs, I think, is pretty early on. It's a, what I'm hoping is that Van, Van Ness just is so good, he's just going to sprint past these guys and take over um, that, that starting spot. Yeah, and I think it's just kind of a natural progression for a first-round pick. I mean, I think obviously when Gary's back, he's going to be the third guy, but it's nice to see him kind of getting to that third guy spot this quickly. Like, it's, we're not... We're not kind of delaying it. It doesn't seem like he's he's clearly, I think, starting to pass Enigbare and Hollins for that third spot, which is good to see him do so quickly. They invested some pretty high capital in, uh, in him with that 13th pick. I think it's exciting. Dad, I think that's really the most interesting things um, from OTAs. Um, nothing else really stood out to me. It's good to see that like list of injured players kind of going down a little bit. That's definitely good news. Um the only other piece of interesting um, that I actually forgot to write down here and I, I wanted to um, mention was that they asked uh, Matt LaFleur uh, which uh, rookies were playing well. Did you see this? Ah, I was. I saw this and I was like, ooh, undrafted free agent mention. Yeah. Unfa mention. And it was, it was, can you remind me again who it was besides? <laughs> it was Colby Wooden, Carl Brook. These, they, he essentially was asked like, Hey, the, we're only able to see like one practice a week. Who are some rookies that have stood out like outside of these ones that we have been able to attend? And yeah. I, I'm trying to remember who it was besides it was Colby Wooden, was, Carl Brooks. It was Brenton Cox. It was Brenton Cox, and I think there was a fourth one. I thought there were only three. Okay, well, for now, we'll just say it was those yeah. three. That was yeah. That's always exciting. Um that were because yeah. I hadn't heard. I mean, we'd seen Wooden work in with the ones a little bit in the first two practices. We hadn't really heard much from Brooks in the other practices, and we hadn't really heard much um, at all from 
help me. I'm I'm spacing. We just said his name from Cox. Yeah, and but it's it's interesting that you know draft picks and then a an Udfa there in Cox. I know he was someone who had a draftable grade from some people, but I think that is that is also interesting. Um, beyond yeah, that, I mean, though, if if he has you know definitely had enough ability and upside to be a draft pick, and not just a seventh rounder either. So if he can, you know, keep level, um, kind of be a, be a good citizen and live up to his potential, he could. It's like they've gained an extra maybe fourth rounder. Yes, and I I just found a a, a tweet from Matt Schneidman, which was the the fourth player I was thinking of was Lucas Van Ness. So oh okay, there was a fourth. Someone had, for some reason I had three in my head. Yes, it was it was Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks, four. Brent Cox, and Lucas Van Ness. Brent Cox obviously had some some off the field slash like teammate character concerns from his time at Florida um, and George, Georgia. Do I have that correct? Georgia and, started as Georgia because it was his ex teammate yeah. that he got into a fight with when he exactly. was at Florida. So it's I mean if he can if he can keep it together you know and he's he's quite a talented player. Um, but beyond that for OTAs, um, oh, the other thing is it seems that Romeo Dobbs is having a very strong OTAs. Um, there, I think a lot of people have been mentioning how good he looks like and how much better he looks this year than last year. Yeah. And how he has already developed a pretty strong connection with Jordan Love in terms of on the field. I feel like most, most tweets I see in the 11 on 11 periods are completions for Romeo Dobbs, which is really exciting. Well, and then I think during like the two minute drill, he got like four completions to him, or he's been getting a lot of completions in the two minute drills from Love. Yeah, they've, they've really been uh, look. He's really been looking for him. It's something to keep an eye on. But you know, I said we were going to stop talking about OTAs two <laughs> minutes ago, so we're going to do it now. Yeah, we can do this. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll pick it up again in the middle of the, middle of the podcast, maybe. Yeah, I think we might because uh, <laughs> there's at least one player who had a very good OTAs today or on Tuesday. That is, um, who I'm not going to spoil it, but I have a quote. Uh, but let's start with the first. I have to look for that quote now. <laughs> the first of our rookie deep dives is kicker Anders Carlson. Pick two hundred seven. Anything say off season more than a deep dive on a sixth round draft pick of a kicker? Hey, with a kicker, you know, a sixth round might as well be a second round when you're thinking about it. I mean, he was <laughs> unless you're the Raiders, then a second round is a second round. Exactly. First round, first round. They took Janikowski with like the nineteenth pick in one draft. Oh, okay. Well, then they took. Uh, oh, I thought he was. Oh, he's a first rounder. I was thinking he was a second rounder. No, was, I'm pretty he, sure Janikowski was a first rounder. Um, <laughs> and then the the most recent. I mean, Moody by the Niners won the third round this year. Um, and uh, Aguayo a few years ago went in the uh, yeah 17th overall pick in the 2000 draft for Janikowski. Imagine pick. if someone did that today. I, like I understand. <laughs> I understand Janikowski people, was. People lose their minds if somebody picks a running back 17th overall. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. It's like, yes, Janikowski was very good. It's like a very good kicker for like 20 years. Here's the thing. If you took a kicker at – we're getting so off track. If you took a kicker at 20 and they were – if you took Justin Tucker at the 20th I overall pick – I can't even pick, see the rails anymore. If you if you took Justin tw- Tucker with the 20th <laughs> overall pick, is that worth it? Ah, no, Justin – you're talking like the best kicker no, of all time. I'm, I'm talking if you take – like how high would you take the best kicker of all time? If I told you guaranteed they were going to be that good – they be that good for like whatever you know. They'll have a twenty-year career. Twenty-year career, best kicker in the league. I, I might I might spend a first-round pick on that player. I don't <laughs> that know. Might, that, okay. At that level, it might be worth it. It's an interesting thought experiment. Well, you think about the, however, wait, it's a guarantee because how much? What's the what's the bust rate in first-rounders? Is it like you know? Yeah, it's it's like 50%, 30, 40 percent. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's more okay. than forty. We're at least still talking about kickers. Let's at least talk about the kicker that the Packers drafted. Um, not in the first round, thank goodness. Anders Carlson, kicker out of Auburn in the sixth round. Um, just a little bit um, about his physical profile. He's six foot five, two hundred and eighteen pounds, so he's a bigger kicker. A little on the older side. He's twenty four years old. Name might sound familiar. He is the younger brother of kicker Daniel Carlson. We have talked about him a little bit before on this podcast when we talked about Bisaccia's press conference during the Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks episode. If you want to get more of a deep dive into that press conference, go listen to that one. It's up wherever you can find our podcast. Um, so those are the interesting things for him. Bigger kicker, um, which Basachi himself in that press conference acknowledged does uh, make approach angles a bit different slash difficult because of the way they need to run up to the ball with their longer legs. But, you know, longer legs, uh, larger, uh, a further, the longer fulcrum's swing further, arc. Yeah, ful- ful- fulcrum's further from the edge of it. You get a little more force. I don't know. That sounds like physics to me. Um, but, Dad, <laughs> what was your initial reaction when they took Carlson in the sixth round? 
So my initial reaction was that did they really? So this is what, this is what I thought. So I'm giving my straight up honest initial reaction. Do they really need to use a draft pick to get the third kicker in the draft? It wasn't like he was the first kicker, or even the second one. He was the third one. So I didn't necessarily see the need to use a draft pick on him. That's yeah. my that's that's my knee jerk. That was my knee jerk reaction when it first happened. I think my knee jerk reaction was I think the first thing I thought of was uh, you know, I, I'm okay with taking kickers in like the late rounds of drafts. Most of the people you're taking in the sixth, seventh round are special teamers anyways. And these players are more impactful special, te- special I'm teamers. I'm sure we're going to have three all-pro starters from the, <laughs> the last two rounds this year. Yeah. But, but one of them is going to be Anders Carlson. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I, I have to stop myself a little bit because I thought some of the similar things when they took J.K. Scott in the fifth round um, like six or seven years ago. I was like, oh, well, if he's your punter for the next 15 years, yeah, you might as well use that pick. But, you know, he wasn't. And I think part of it's just it's hard to evaluate these positions and how they're going to translate to the league is is – kind of the like the, I've, the have never done side. a deep dive on the success rate of drafted specialists versus like I don't know what you say like premier yeah. um, top level udfa yeah and it seems like most of the kickers in the league were udfas and then the other thing I thought to think about was like well that is uh, really the signaled the end of the Mason Crosby era in Green Bay all time yep. points leader in Packers history um, kicked for a billion years, like as long as I can remember watching football. Mason Crosby's been the kicker of the Packers, and I think that was my initial reaction. Like, wow, that's the uh, the end of the end of era for the Silver Fox. But yep. let's talk a little bit about Carlson because, I mean, and also something to note: Crosby was also a draft pick for the Packers, also in the sixth round. So something to keep in mind. But let's talk a little bit about Carlson because there are some interesting things in his prospect profile. Um, Dad, do you want to kind of start us off with with some of these stats? Because you've done a absolutely unhinged <laughs> level of research into so a sixth round kicker. I went into a deep dive on a sixth round kicker. Yes, this is this is the the, the as I said the peak of the off season. So just kind of the raw stats. He only made seventy one point eight percent of his um, field goals at Auburn. His older brother, Daniel, who has now become a, an excellent kicker for the Raiders after the Vikings, you know, booted him after one bad game. But his, but, but same school, um, and Daniel Carlson made 80.7% of his field goals, so he did much better. I'm just kind of, you know, waving my hands up. Maybe Basaccia saw something and knows something, having coached Daniel Carlson, that he thinks he can fix, that maybe he knows they, like, learned wrong along the way or something. Since they're brothers and went to the same school, um, but but Dana Carlson started out much better in college. Anders Carlson only had one good year in college in 2020, where he made 20 of 22 field goals. Now, at the time, or shortly after the pick, Gudikin said, "Well, he had a torn ACL, which is true, and then a soldier injury, which explained his shaky accuracy for much of his career." Now, the, to- the torn ACL ended his 2021 season. So it didn't affect anything during 2021, where his year wasn't great, and or you know or 2019 or 2018, um, which were also poor. Though 2020 was good. Now the shoulder injury that I know of was at the end of 2022, so he didn't kick anymore after that. So that didn't affect any of his kicking, because he said I remember hearing he tried to kick with it by basically like pinning his arm against his side um, and then try to kick and realize that just couldn't do it. Now, one thing I will maybe looking at the numbers a little bit more. So first I saw a thing from Justice Mosqueda on the Acme Packing Company about him. It's like, you should read this article about it. It was really good in terms of points versus expected based on field goal distance and um, it's not compared good. to all. It's, it's, right. it's and, not and, great. And what he did is a comparison of all of the drafted kickers who were successful and who were not. Um, so in terms of points versus expected based on distance, he was twice as bad as the second worst kicker since 2018, including his brother, second who was worst, fourth best, second worst drafted kicker since 2018. Drafted. These are just the drafted kickers. Yeah. So yes. this is just he just looked at the drafted kickers since 2018. Carlson was fourth best in this metric, not dead last at 12th. 
and not only last, but like twice as worse as the second worst one. Now, it sounds like one a thing I special would... teamer to me. <laughs> one thing else is like, so let's say, so he he was actually over for six years. That's why he's that's why he's twenty four now. He has six years. Though his first his first year, he did almost nothing. He was maybe he wasn't even active. He was there, and his second year, so his first year really active. I think it was maybe he's a red maybe he's a red shirt his, his freshman year, but his first active year. Let's say let's give him a pass um, on that one because oh I would say so one thing I wanted to say about like so fifty plus for his career so this, the, especially in the long yards it's, it's one of the things that I wanted to talk about it's only five for seventeen from over fifty yards for his career and. So that's no bueno. And not so good on 40 plus either, 40 to 49, where he was only 25 of 39. So I was looking a little bit about this. So his his real fresh, true freshman year, he was just a red shirt, didn't play. And then his first year playing, he hardly had any work. And so, and, and then, so I thought I'd throw that one out and also throw out the post ACL um, year because he was, you know, kicking with the brace on all kinds of reasons why that would be a mess. Yeah. And it and sounds so like see. getting your strength back based on some of the things I've read, it's like a two year process for kickers at times because it's like yeah. even more intensive for their legs. And so it's like, just, you, you could easily see why he wouldn't do well there. So let's see how he actually compared. Um, if we then take just the middle three years. Um, so not, not only his best year, but the the years where you know it's got a small sample size and then um so that post, would be post injury 2019 2020 and 2021 pre-injury right is what you're looking right. at right that's what i'm looking at and so if we look at the original analysis he was his his you know points versus expected was negative 20 the second to worst was negative 9 the top kind of five people who've done successful league matt gay was plus 14.8, Cade York plus 13.5, Evan McPherson plus 8.3, Daniel a, Carlson a plus 6.6. A lot of this you're, you're getting from Justice Mosqueda's article on Acme Packing Company, right? Right. The Acme Packing Company, you should definitely read this article. It's a great article. Um, and then and Tyler Bass has also done well in lead plus 3.1. So they're all positive. And so let's see what happens if we throw out the uh, um, Anders Carlson's freshman year. And I also looked at kind of, is this, was this fair? What about if I do it with the other kickers? So Daniel Carlson also had kind of a bad freshman year. And the other drafted kickers, they only actually played like two or three years of kicking field goals in college. So they didn't have this, like, and maybe they were like red shirts. They didn't have so many years you could, you know, had a, you know, kind of low uh, number of chances freshman year like like he had. So, so, so if you do this for Anders Carlson, then instead of minus 20, his versus expected is minus four. So it's a huge increase. It's still negative. And uh, for comparison, Daniel Carlson changes from, what did he go? He, he goes up to pl um, a plus 11 instead of where he was plus 6.6. .6. So he also kind of gets a boost. So, but not as much. So you see like there, there maybe there's some reason. What I'm looking for is reason to hope. Yeah, I don't know if you saw when you said minus twenty, I visibly winced. I, yeah, I felt physical just... pain when you said minus twenty. Minus twenty, what you'd expect based on the entire, I think, NCAA maybe. Yeah, so not good. Yeah, and so that that's how the field goals look. So maybe he can. Maybe there's a sign that he's better when he's healthy and kind of. You know, and, playing and something I of did want to add is in college, I know you're controlling for college, but just remember that the hashes are wider, so some of the kicks are harder because you're kicking from a wider angle. And maybe if you're a taller kicker like we talked about, I'm like you said, we're looking for reasons to be optimistic. Maybe if you're a taller kicker where the approach angles are harder because your legs are longer, it's harder to kick at these steeper angles. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I'm just yep. trying to look for reasons sure to be optimistic. Something stick on the wall. Let's see what happens. Yeah, so that's the, the field goal part of it. Now, that was just one of the negatives. That wasn't even all the negatives. He also has no real evidence of a strong leg. Um, so there's already the problem with the 50-yard field goals, which he was um, not getting uh, really bad. But it does get a little better when you get rid of the – instead of being 5 for 17 on 50s, if you just take that center three years that we talked about, 
Then it's he's um what would I say three for seven, I think. So that's a lot better. It's better. An eighteen an eighteen of twenty seven on forty plus instead of twenty five of thirty-nine. I mean he had a really bad um he also had a kind of his freshman year he was only two for nine on fifty plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so that that really I think hit him hard to kind of not maybe maybe wasn't ready at that point, but also his field goal leg strength to sound like something we want was not great. Yeah. Now the numbers that so I Paul Brettel, um forget if he had wrote an article or tweeted about this that his I think it is a tweet I saw that his kickoff return attempt rate was forty two point two percent in twenty twenty two, which ranked ranked ninety ninth. In the NCAA. Yeah. So that's not good. But we also and, already know that this is the year that he was playing with a brace, I think, on his plant leg. So there are a lot of reasons why he might not have um, and, and that is been the so rate strong. at which their kickoffs are, are fielded and returned. So half the time, essentially, his kickoffs were returned, which you don't want as a kicker. You want to be kicking it out of the back of the end zone. Right. Does this sound like last year to the Packers? Um, so because of, because of the reason to, to have caveats about this year maybe not being representative of what he can actually do. I went and looked back at um, previous years. So um, his, in his other um, years, his return rate was somewhere between like 20.8 and 27.9%. Um, so much better. Yeah. I mean, um, without the knee brace. As, twice as good. Yeah. Like easily twice um, as good. And with overall very good PFF grades on kickoffs. My own count for 2021 was 29.3%. We just, I just went through every every uh, play-by-play of every game to find the kickoffs. So I did that myself. And then I said, oh, look, PFF has that. Nice. <laughs> hey, we appreciate the effort. We appreciate the effort. <laughs> though, though our numbers didn't exactly match up with my uh, manual count. Yeah, you wonder um, if there's something hmm. to do with how they count touchbacks because you can fair catch a touchback in college. I would imagine that that's where the discrepancy right. is. There's some fair catches as well as uh, no returns. That's some things they may, they may have counted differently than I did. Um, so that's kind of generally, I think, yeah, performance was not great, especially yeah. not his last year. But he was hurt and he had done better the previous couple of years before that. Even yeah. though it, was, it still wasn't up it to the level what you would consider a draftable successful it was not the level of successful draft picks. He was at the level of some unsuccessful draft picks. That, yeah. so, so it got him up to the level of unsuccessful draft picks. Exactly. It's, it's, it's <laughs> tough because, you know, all the numbers and what we seem to know about how kicking from distance at the college level translates to success at the NFL level would tell you that there are more reasons this pick is not going to work out than reasons that this pick will work out, I think is the nice way of putting it. Some things that scouts had to say about Carlson as we kind of go through him. We've spent a lot of time on a sixth-round kicker, Dad, but we appreciate all of your service in terms of all the <laughs> deep dives you've done into this. I, like, everyone... I, I, I had to look at something immediately. So like, after this I pick mean, was here's made. the thing. is Everyone can joke about, like, oh, like this much deep dive into a sixth-round kicker. <laughs> if Carlson is the starting kicker for the Packers, he is going to be the most impactful rookie on the Packers this year. For good or for bad, he's that's going to be the most important. The most important. Do you know how important? a kicker is? Madly important. If he plays seventeen games as the kicker for the Packers, he's going to be their most important rookie. Like things are going to hinge on his performance. If he misses, kicker is almost always your leading scorer. Exactly. I mean, if he misses two field goals in a game, that's probably a game the Packers are going to lose. There's not going to be a lot of margin for error for the Packers this year. But anyway, like what we said for, um, so for most prospects, we have a couple scout quotes. Um, and some rankings. Uh, Dane Brugler of The Athletic had him as his third kicker, and he went as the third kicker, so there's that. Uh, Lance Zierlein of The Athletic, I took this one from Packers Wire. Um, quote, this is a, his quote in his um, scouting uh, report. Quote, Carlson has made big kicks in big moments and appeared to be tracking in a good direction back in 2020. However, he has struggled to establish consistency on mid-range kicks and has been poor on kicks from 50 yards and beyond. He's had too many kicks blocked during his career and doesn't sport a booming leg on kickoffs. So, you know, besides that, how was the play, Miss Lincoln? Um, not good at mid-range, long, or kickoffs. So, uh, cool. Well, those, um, extra, those, those short, those, those uh, you know, 20-yard field goal attempts, though. Yeah, that you shouldn't be taking if you're a competent NFL franchise. Yes. Right, um, the, ones, and, the ones that you shouldn't take at all. And then I have, 
one last quote, uh, not from a scout. This is from a coach. This is from Jamie Cole via an article by Bill Huber on Sports Illustrated. Um, Jamie Cole, if you don't know, which I did not until we drafted a kicker, uh, is one of the most prominent kicking coaches um, around the league. He's consulted for several teams. He works with lots of players coming out of college and going into the pros. He's worked with uh, NFL kickers like Dustin Hopkins, Jake Elliott of the Eagles, Will Lutz of the Saints, Harrison Butker of the Chiefs. He's worked with Daniel Carlson. Now he's worked with Anders Carlson this past offseason. And what he had to say was he believes that, quote, Anders has the body. He has the frame to continue to get stronger in years to come. So that was, I thought, interesting. It's like, hey, he didn't think like, hey, he wasn't trying to, trying to lie to us and tell us his leg was super strong right now. He was saying it's like he thinks that he's got the kind of body that will develop and mature into a stronger kicker, which I thought was an interesting quote and a really good get from Bill Huber of SI, um, like we said. Um, what the Packers have had to say about him, um, Brian Gudikins, these are all from Packers Wire. They had a nice um, essentially amalgamation of different quotes from different people. Um, Brian Gudikins said, quote, he was a kicker that Rich has an extensive experience with. Struggled with some injuries over the last few years after a very promising start, but we felt really good about where he's headed, and I think the relationship there with Rich was a positive factor in picking him there, end quote. Matt LaFleur said, quote, Bisacci was very high on him, obviously, having a history there with his brother. He's known him there for a while now. It definitely had a big impact on Anders' ability to be picked by us. So it kind of seems like they just said, Bisaccia, you know, you're not only the special teams coordinator, but the associate head coach now. We're going to let you have your, your pick of kicker now. Um, and so from Bisaccia, we have a couple quotes as well. Um, the first is, quote, I look at the makeup of the person. I think he's a strong mental makeup person. I think he's been his best regardless of the circumstance. He's been in a lot of big games, kicked in a lot of situations in the SEC, and kicked in many bowl games. And then another quote was, quote, if Anders can perform like we think he can and, imp- and can improve, I think we are prepared organizationally with, as well as the majority of the other draft picks, to weather the storm to some degree positionally, and hopefully they can keep improving and get better with time. Um, so it kind of seems like what is, it seems like they let Pisaccia pick. I think it seems like if we want to just transition into our thoughts overall, is that it kind of seems like we're going to have to be patient, I think is the biggest <laughs> thing I'm getting out of this. Is yeah, he's fans, not exactly saying he's going gonna to wow us for all, in the first season. I mean, the fact that he was like, we're, gonna, we're ready to weather the storm, is like, it's like, please just trust me. It might not be pretty from the beginning, but I think I can fix this. Yeah, I mean, he also said something like, you know, when a quarterback struggles and throws some picks, you don't just get rid of him after one game. Which is a good point because, you know, mentally I would say kicker is up there with one of the hardest positions to play in the game. I mean, like, the more experience you get, I think you build those mental calluses to, like, going out there in front of a big crowd with everything on the line. You've got to be able to put it, you know, put your behind in your past. Yep, be a goldfish, as Ted Lasso would say. Um, but, yeah, so that's my my thoughts as we kind of, like, wrap up Carlson um, is that I just feel like I'm skeptical, um, to say the least. This was definitely the draft pick that I – probably was not the biggest fan of because i was like so you're drafting a kicker that was not good in college (laughs) okay i guess i mean um but you know it does sound like the fan base is gonna have to be patient with him it sounds like they're gonna kind of try and ride it out i would guess they're gonna give him two years with the job um thankfully this team is not really looking to contend this year so you know if they lose a couple extra games it's not the end of the world i think the main thing this year is draft capital yeah the main thing this year is building a strong young core and i think if carlson is good he can be part of that strong young core and if he's bad there's really no harm no foul in terms of hey you can just move on from him after a couple years will it be annoying in in like in time like and actually during the game if he misses like a 40 yarder that will be important to the outcome of the game yes it'd be very annoying but um it kind of is what it is uh i'm sure it'll happen just as we start to feel good about the teams like no don't don't give me hope again nope exactly but i I think that's the thing it's just like you know it's it's hard to find kickers kickers are weird i think i read somewhere that mason crosby also wasn't a very good college kicker either and look what happened with him is that right he had a very, very strong yeah, NFL back career. And look up his numbers. Yeah, I think I, I don't want to say it because, but I think his field goal percentage was like actually kind of similar, like low seventies to Carlson's. Not any of these like numbers by distance, but just that that was interesting. I think it was, it was a similar. Um, don't quote me on that though, because I can't remember how I, where that was sourced from. Um, but Dad, what were your kind of overall after all this like research and looking into it? What were yeah. your thoughts? So, some of my thoughts. 
<laughs> now that the, looks like we've already committed to Carlson. It wasn't very. It didn't take long before they like cut down to just one kicker. Yeah, on the ninety. So that was like a couple of weeks, and this. Oh no, we're good. Um, and announced that they were going to. You know, as I said, let them make mistakes. Can't have been that so, bad in practice if they just went down right. to one kicker right away. I mean, so that's that's maybe encouraging. And what I'm hoping is that Basaccia knows something very specific about Carlson's performance based on working with his brother and the fact that he and his brother basically had the same training all through same, you know, schools, same college. I think also, I guess Daniel Carlson must also be tall, same kind yeah. of makeup. And so that Basaccia's like, Oh yeah, I told your brother to do this one thing and now he's good. I'm going to fix it. I can, and so he already knows what to fix. I'm just pulling That's stuff out of, you know, where That's for the some hope. hopium. We're looking for some hopium. Yeah. Um, one thing I do, so that that's that's what we're that's what we're, that's what we're clinging to right now. So he was the third last kicker taken. No, no other kickers were taken after him. Um, there are other players they could have had. I would have liked. Yeah, they could have tried to double up at safety to take two chances at safety. Jason Taylor was a safety I liked from Oklahoma State. Moro Jomo, defensive, another defensive lineman. We say Moro gone, Jomo in every single episode. Absolutely, because he didn't go until the end of the seventh, and I thought he was going to go like the third round or the fourth round. So we got a lot of chances. I wanted or a. Third, third tight end, Zach Coots, the most athletic tight end ever. Yep, ten point oh um, Ras. Or another, you know, if it, one offensive lineman tackled Jake Witt, who tested really well, and and Matt Landers, who is, uh, I think, a very athletic and and pr- pretty productive receiver. He's, um, I think, we talked about it last time, who went as an undrafted fringe. Some of the thing is like as we get to these later picks, where they're all sort of scrunched together, the players we could have had instead are. All Pretty the same. much the same, yeah. Which means we can kind of speed through them on the next one. But let's move on to our next player. We've spent a lot of time on Carlson. But I think it's important because, like Do I we said, win, I think... Are we in first place for the amount of time spent talking about a drafted kicker this year? I, 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 I would can think Can we be so. first in something? It's us and maybe some Niners fans because they took... <laughs> at least we didn't take them with the third round pick. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, you know, I think it is important, though, because... Niners fans can suck it. <laughs> Thanks to their put, kicker, like, not never never missing a kick against us. I know, right? Uh, but to be fair, we had Crosby, and he didn't miss too many of the big <laughs> ones either. So, you know, it is what it is. But the thing is, it's like the kicker's a really important position, and I'm glad we're spending a lot of time on it because I feel like it gets a little overlooked at times. Um, but the next player we want to talk about is the corner they took in the seventh round, Carrington Valentine with pick 232, corner out of Kentucky, 21, almost 22 years old. Um, Dad, what was your initial reaction to taking him? So my first my initial reaction was I thought – I thought there was a pretty good chance to take a corner because they often do. Although this logic failed when it came to guessing that they would pick an O-lineman. But he does fit a lot of what they like to do in terms of athleticism and age. So he's under 22 and is a plus athlete at a position they like to keep stocking every year. So it didn't surprise me. It wasn't necessarily – and I, I, it's not somebody I got around to really looking at before the draft. Um, there were some other late-round corners I had been looking at, but I kind of missed it maybe because – he had been going earlier than I started to look for corners. Exactly. And I think for me, my initial reaction was I was like, this was a guy, if you were watching any of the like ESPN feed of this, uh, of the third round, of the day three, that is, Mel Kuyper had him as like his top remaining player for like 40 minutes at one point and was like, I don't know how this guy's not getting taken. Um, so I was pretty happy with like the selection of an SEC guy that like some draft people were very high on. I mean, if you're taking that kind of guy in the seventh round, I'm, especially when they're an elite athlete. I know he's kind of a lim- like a limited schematically wise player, which we'll talk about a little bit. He's, he's more of a press man, pure corner, and we'll talk about what that means for the Packers. Um, but, you know, that type of player who's still young, who's played a high-level competition, who some media people are high on, I was excited about that. But like you said, he is a high-end athlete, so let's talk a little bit about his athletic profile. Um, Carrington Valentine had a 9.3 relative athletic score. Um, he is 5'11 and 5'8, so a little over 5'11 and a half, um, 193 pounds, um, just nine reps on the bench, which isn't great, but otherwise his size profile is fine. Uh, 32 and a quarter inch arms, um, which is, you know, that's fine. Um, a 39 inch vertical, which is elite. It's up in the 90th percentile, a 10 foot eight inch broad, which is up in the 90th percentile, which is elite, a four, 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 40 yard dash with elite 20 and 10 yard splits all up in like near the 90th percentile. Um, 
an okay shuttle, 77th percentile, a 415, and then did not run the three cone. Some athletic comps for him are by Rastis's Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, um, and Kendall Sheffield. So, you know, two of those ended up being very good NFL players. Um, no senior bowl speed measurements because he was not a senior. Um, very similar RAS score in the nines as all the rest of their corners, except for Jamar John Charles, who, you know, wasn't the best athlete coming out. Um, he was 10th this year out of 33 corners in athletic score per player, per player profiler, excuse me. And he was in about the 20th, uh, 20% all time, uh, with his best trait being his burst score at the 82nd percentile. Um, but dad, that's kind of his athleticism. Do you want to talk a little bit about his production and like how he lined up in college? Because I think this is kind of an interesting thing where certain, you could see him working well in a certain scheme. Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is like, think about how he lined up. He seems to be basically a, a boundary corner. So he's lining up mostly on the outside. I think, uh, what I have is like 645 out of 726 snaps last year. Very little in the slot. I think, he only had what nine snaps in the slot. He has almost as many snaps as a like a deep safety as he did in the slot, and a lot more in the box um, last year and for his career. Um, in 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 the um, in, in the box or deep compared to the slot. So he's really kind of a really a boundary corner in terms of his his alignment. Now his raw stats, he had forty five tackles, um, and what they call it in PFF seventeen stops. Last year, and he had one interception and six pass breakups to four touchdowns given up. And for his career, only the one interception and nine pass breakups to seven touchdowns given up. So that ratio isn't the best. Um, he's, and he's got mostly kind of mid-level PFF grades on defense. Now, his final year, he did have you know, substantially better coverage grades um, compared to what he had done before. Um, his, his last year's coverage grade for PFF was a 70 and his previous two years were 60.4 and 58. Um, so improvement there in his cover, cover defense. And he is still still young as well. Right. He's only 21, even 22 yet. And, but his run defense has pretty much been poor every year and his coverage is only good last year. Now, so per PFF, his passer rating given up was 94.5 last year at 96.7 for his career. So that's not great. And I also looked at per NFL draft buzz. They had him at a, a 97.1 for uh, um, passer rating when targeted. So pretty similar. So yeah. those aren't great. It's not great. Um, I think the for the run defense thing, I mean, kind of my, my thought on that is like, he just looks so skinny out there. Like when you're watching yeah. him play, he looks really like thin. And I think, like, you know, maybe yeah. maybe as he gets a little older, he can put a little more, like, meat on Flip his bones. And, and it strength. was, like, was that, uh, I think that was his worst, was that his worst trait? Um, was well, his strength? Well, you for... look at that, I can talk a little bit about what um, yeah. some scouts had to say about him. Oh, yeah, his okay. bench his bench was oh yes was in the red. <laughs> but you got to remember, 80th percentile <laughs> arm length, and a lot of times... Bench is more of a function of arm length than it is strength. It's a matter of it's simply physics. How far you got to move it, that bar? Um, but, and and his his miss tackle rate was was okay. I mean, fourteen point one percent isn't terrible. Yeah. Um. And but, and also one thing I would want to mention is he's got only got called for like nine penalties over the last two years and eight hundred twenty three coverage snaps. So it's a little like less than one per game. That's not that bad. Yeah. And you know what some scouts had to say about him. Um, Dane Brugler of the Athletic had him as his 28th corner, had a 6th round grade on him. They got him in the 7th round, so kind of similar. Uh, quote, overall, Valentine is long, aggressive, and athletic, and has yet to reach his ceiling as a cover man. But his ball instincts and technique are underdeveloped, making his draft grade much more of a projection than others. He projects best as a long-limbed press corner. Um, kind of out of the ball instincts. He doesn't have a ton of ball production um, at, at in college, like, like you said. Just um, the one interception. Just the one Not pick. that many pa- And not that many passes defense either yeah zero line of the athletic um this is taken from packers wire um quote valentine has the physical traits necessarily necessary for the nfl but the instincts and body control to extend his coverage against quality route runners leaves something to be desired he's solid at crowding vertical throws and can play press bail um but he has had coverage busts in zone also he bites too easily on double moves valentine's lack of aggression as a run defender could make it tougher for his own teams to give him a chance 
Um, and then Mel Kuyper of ESPN was actually much higher on him than any other analyst I saw, um, which we kind of talked about already. But he had him as his 13th corner and his 69th overall prospect in the whole draft, um, which is something that's very interesting. Um, so kind of interesting, I think, Dad, and we'll talk about in a second. Um, well, we just talk about it now when we talk about our thoughts as well. Um, the fact that they talk about him, uh, let's talk about our impressions, and then we'll talk a little bit about Green Bay's because I think this ties. Oh, in you, oh, you want to have ours before Lafleur's? Yeah, just, just because I want to tie this in is, um, and and this Lafleur quote is the one that was from the end of OTAs um, on Tuesday. But I think the interesting parts, like all, a lot of it's about him being a press corner. I was like, well, Packers have a habit of drafting press corners and then not playing and them not press. playing press. And so yep. that's kind of my question is like, are we going to play these corners like that are long limbed boundary press corners? Are we actually going to play them in press? Because congratulations, if- your press, your press corner skills have gotten you drafted now line up 13 yards off the line. Yeah, now you're playing zone. And like these, like a lot of these scouts were saying, he's not very good at zone. So it's like, are we going to be moving to a more press heavy scheme, which I would personally be a big fan of. I think they have the personnel to do it. But the, there are questions about, like, hey, if, if you're going to go back to playing zone again, I don't really understand how Valentine fits that. And I guess those are my impressions of watching him. It's like, yeah, he's a, he's a press man. He likes getting his hands on those guys. He's getting a little lost in zone. So it's like, you know, if the Packers are going to play a lot of press, I think, you know, he could be ready for that. Um, but I, that was the main interest in me. Dad, what were your kind of impressions for him? So... So far, I feel like he's been kind of a, a mid-level corner in terms of his play, and I'm maybe hoping that maybe some NFL coaching can can uh, raise his his, his uh, performance. He is athletic and he's young, and he just had his best coverage of a year of his career in his most recent year. So maybe he's trending up. Yeah, um, but I, I, I would be nice to see, you know, a little less um, success against him. Then yeah. he's been giving up. One thing I, I, I just say about so he was like uh, he was the twenty eighth corner taken, which is kind of right on par with uh, Brugler, and by Mel Kiper we got a steal. Yep. Um, there was one corner taken after him, Corey Trice, who I kind of liked, and he had uh, a slightly better athletic profile, better agility, not quite as fast, and significantly bigger. Um. And and uh, better graded as a coverage corner, though he did have some injury concerns, so he had a, uh, missed almost a whole year with an injury. So, and he but he was the very next corner taken uh, just a little while later. Yeah, and then of, oh, some, a lot somebody, of the other somebody I'll keep an eye on. Yeah, and it looks like the other players that you had for they could have had are a lot of the similar ones, kind of the, the same because we're we're into we have like I don't know like five picks in th- out of thirty. I mean, yeah, yeah, the, all the all the players were were uh, kind of had our eye on through the stretch are mostly the same. Yeah, and then the uh, Packers quotes, um, this one I wanted to end with because, uh, or end Carrington Valentine's discussion with, because this was just on Tuesday, and this was taken from Packers Wire as well. Um, This was Matt LaFleur um, during his presser after the practice. Uh, Quote, you can really see the body movement skills that he possesses, and he's been working hard. I think there's been some great lessons along the way, but he's a guy that certainly has the talent. It's going to be on him to put it all together and go out there and do it in the preseason. So, you know, kind of seems like a developmental guy. He didn't say go out and do it, like, in the season. He said go out and do <laughs> it in the preseason. So I was like, not really expecting him to play much this year, hopefully. It is, it is like, oh. go out and do it on the practice squad. Yeah, pretty much. And so it's, like, probably going to be a special teamer guy, but you know you like, going to have to get that strength up and that weight up if he's going to be a special teamer. Um, this might be like a redshirt year for him too. This is just like as a a, a a freshman in college. They just okay, go to spend all your time in the dining hall in the weight room and see us in twelve months. Exactly, and so it's like we'll see. But those are kind of the things, the takeaways from Carrington Valentine. I think kind of reminds me of like the Kadar Holman pick from a while ago. And Kadar yep, Holman, you know, very similar, stuck, stuck on the team for like three, four years, and then they traded him for like a seventh rounder. So it's like that's that's fine, you know, that's that's very solid. Um, Let's move on, though, to the last – Dad, are you a little sad? I'm a little sad. The last of our rookie <laughs> deep dives, Anthony Johnson Aww. Jr., safety out of Iowa State, not the safety out of Virginia. Important note, there was a different – Or the Anthony, corner out of – yeah, I guess he was Defensive back out of Virginia. There was a different Anthony Johnson Jr. who also went in pretty much the late rounds, who went to Virginia. No, it is not that one. It's the one out of Iowa State. The Packers took him with pick 242. He is 23 and a half years old. 
And this was a guy that a lot of people were really excited about. I think the the wildest one is that um, Chris Collinsworth mocked him in the first round, um, which is kind of insane when you think about it especially if we got it if that's true if we got I mean, him in the seventh round that's I'm, gonna I'm, be like an all-time steal i'm gonna burst your bubble it's probably not true um but <laughs> I, think it was, you, I think there's a simpler explanation chris collinsworth a genius <laughs> i mean you never know um, are we are we in opposite, opposite land I don't know, but Dad, what were your kind of initial reactions? I, for one, I was excited that they took a safety in the draft and they got one that was like kind of consensus to go like a round or two earlier was nice. Um, the depth at that position is real bad. Um, so they needed players that they need bodies. They needed people like to actually yeah. take snaps, like or do anything. Um, and so I was kind of excited about just like taking a corner or sorry, a safety that you know was had at least like some kind of promise to him. And some people were very high on. I, I, I thought they had to get a safety in the draft, even though it wasn't a great draft for safeties. I thought maybe even take two swings since if you think there's not a great draft then you want to have if to get one good one, you might need a couple tries at it. But Anthony Johnson was one of the ones that I kind of had an eye on. Um, and, and mostly I got started on because a lot of people were talking about him as a possible good pick for the draft, um, for the Packers. Um, and he got, I think he lasted a little longer than I expected. I thought you know, if they wanted to get him, maybe they would have had to get him in like the fifth or sixth round. So I think they got um, pretty good value in terms of the, pre, the pre-draft the value. And hopefully he'll turn out to be a great value as he becomes a player in the pros. Um, so I was kind of excited about that. Yeah. And for him, he is another player who's quite a good athlete. Not as quite an elite athlete as some of their other picks, but still an 8.13 relative athletic score. Um, 31 and a quarter inch arms, five foot 11 and a half, which is on the smaller side for safety is only around the 46th percentile. Um, but 205 pounds. So he's pretty sturdily built, which is up in the 72nd percentile, not the best bench, only 12 reps, but an, uh, elite vertical at 37 and a half inches, which is, um, right up there in the, if I can read this 84th percentile, there we go. Um, and a 10 foot, uh, five inch broad jump, which is in the 83rd percentile. Um, a solid 40-yard dash, 4.54, uh, which is in the 74th percentile, but an elite 10-yard split. Now, stop if you've heard this before. If you've listened to our other podcasts, even the players that the Packers drafted in this draft that didn't have great 40s all had really good 10-yard splits. So that's they kind really, of something. Yeah. So I wonder if they have some like more recent um, looks. It looks like they've done that some in the past as well. But um, this year seems to be trending even more strongly in the Packers draft picks for those 10-yard splits. Yeah. And maybe not- they've been crunching the numbers, say, Oh, wait, this is what really matters for yes. most of the positions. And it's possible. A 92nd percentile 10-yard split, though. Um, just average agilities. He had a pretty poor th- uh, shuttle, a 431, 48th percentile, but a pretty good three-cone, you know, 55th percentile, 707. Um, some of his uh, relative athletic score comps for him at free safety. Um, you know, not really players you'd heard of. Uh, Nick Washington out of Florida in 2018, Major Wright out of Florida in 2010. Um, then some other players you might not have heard of. Um, no senior bowl speed measurements. Um, he was one of the more athletic safeties in the draft. Um, his speed kind of just meets their threshold. He is the third slowest, but he is faster than Amos or Haha. Um, and his, but his 10 yard split was the best among Green Bay picks and recent starters, even better than Savage's, even though Savage had a much better 40. Um, he was the fifth best 10 yard split among the top 25 ranked safeties going into the draft that we looked at. Um, kind of his RAS was dragged down by his height a little bit and his bench and then his shuttle. Um, the bench is kind of the bench is the least important of the the physical tests to me, in my opinion. Um, per player profiler, right. he and, was, and the most and the most improvable. Yeah, exactly. Um, and per player profiler, he was fourth out of twenty in athletic score among safeties this year, and he's in the top third all time with his best um, of those being his burst score in the seventy third percentile, and his worst being the agility in the thirty fourth percentile, which we talked about. Not the best, you know, agility tester, but you know. The the burst is still really exciting. Um, I'm not es- sure, especially with what we had to work with this year mm-hmm. in the safeties. Remember, like how how poorly they were testing. Yes, and a lot, and especially the the safeties that were expected to go really early. All the safeties we like tested. All the like the high r- rated safeties before the combine, almost all tested poorly, except for um, Sydney Brown. Brown from right, and then. Um, Jartavius Martin. Martin. I was yeah. going to say Ward, but I didn't know that wasn't right. 
Yeah, who who was I, I was kind of switching from corner to to safety. Those are the only two guys who had a good athletic profile among the sort of two, first two day safeties that that yeah. were being talked about. And he's he's a really good athlete. But do you want to talk a little bit about his production, which is kind of interesting because he only played safety one year at Iowa State. He was right. a corner played... for four years and then a safety for his final year, I believe. Right. That's right. Only a safety for his final year. Yeah, he's a little older. You know, he's twenty three and a half because he's. He was at Iowa State for was it like four years, five years. I think it's five years or four in a red shirt. But yeah, twenty three and a half. But you know, everyone's it all got screwed up by twenty twenty. So you yeah. never know what it really would have been if everything had been normal. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about his production though, because I think he kind of he plays better as a safety in his last year than he was a corner in all those other years, and he only played safety that one year. Right. So he had just the one year of safety. Um, after most playing corner, he only played about an eighth of his snaps deep. So most of his snaps were in the box or the slot. Um, and then like one one pass rush as a safety is like blitzing off from the as a you know safety blitz. And he had a couple of them as a corner. So he, he did some corner blitzes too. So maybe he has a little bit of that in his toolkit. Um, but uh, so alignment and, and he's with only the one year to look at. We don't we know a little bit less about his alignment versatility as a safety. Um, for his raw numbers, he had 53 tackles last year with like 21 stops, um, two interceptions, two pass breakups, and gave up two TDs. Now, for his career, he has almost twice as many pass breakups plus interceptions as touchdowns. So he has two pass breakups. No, sorry, two interceptions, 18 pass breakups, and, and but and gave, gave up 11 TDs. So you compare that to what um, Carrington had done where they're much closer. It was like seven to nine instead of um, 11 to 20. So he's doing better in terms of play, making plays on the ball versus getting beat for touchdowns. So that's, that's not too bad. Overall, he's had pretty good coverage and run defense grades um, per PFF. And both were pretty consistently good all five years at, I, at uh, Iowa State. Overall, his coverage grade was probably – a bit above average among the top 25 safeties in the draft this year based on, uh, yeah, I kind of ground through all of the, the, the top. When I was trying to figure out what safeties I like got coverage grades, tackling grades and athletic profile for like the top 25 safeties in the draft pre-draft. I was getting a little obsessed. It's like, is <laughs> there anybody who can get who's any good? Cause we had nobody or <laughs> we had like one safety on the roster. Exactly. Um, is passer rating, when allowed per PFF was 84.8. So we're getting a little better than um, um, Valentine, though he's a different position. Now, he, he had his worst passer rating against in his second to last year. So what his last year as a corner, he, his passer rating gets 124.7. And that's when the coach, oh. called, that's when the coach oh. called him up and said, okay. hey, time to move, move to safety. safety buddy. We're going to safety. And then he got it back down to, a, um, I think, more what his, most of his years were um, his last year. I think his previous years, um, besides that really terrible year, um, sorry, I'm just having a little trouble getting this thing to, was well, like 65, 94, 75, and then his last year, 85, basically 85 as a safety. Um, and it is 90.2 for his career on average. And the per NFL draft buzz, they had him a little worse, 100. Point one on average that has like that really bad year mixed in. I couldn't, they didn't break it down by year to see what he was as a safety. His missed tackle rate is not great. 17 and a half percent last year, 16 and a half percent for his career, which puts him into like a little below average um, for the 2023 class. Um, I would say out of those like top 25 safeties I looked at, it might've been like around 17th in terms of like his tackling grade. Um, looking at tackling grades, um, both on PFF and NFL draft buzz. But his overall, his overall run defense graded out kind of better than his tackling grade. Um, He's getting to the spot. He's getting to the right spots, it sounds getting like. getting to the right spot. Not enough. quite always finishing. And the thing is, you know, at the NFL level, you're playing with some better players. More people are rallying to the football. Sometimes you just got to slow them down. Sometimes you just got to be in the right spot and slow them down. Obviously, like, Ideally, a safety is safe, and they're making the right tackles, and that's what made Amos so great for so long with the Packers. But, you know, a seventh-round pick is not going to be a perfect player. But nope. do you want to talk a little bit about what scouts had to say about him? Because there, there's some interesting things. I think most of them had him higher than a seventh-round um, grade. 
Um, not quite as high as Collinsworth had him. But Dane Brugler had him as his 17th safety, a fifth or sixth round grade on him. Quote, Johnson plays with mirroring range and man coverage and against the run and reads concepts well in zone coverage to fluidly work his area. The ball seems to find him more than he finds the ball, and he is still learning the ins and outs as a true safety. Overall, Johnson might not have a sky-high ceiling at the next level, but his character, experience, and functional size speed traits raise his floor and will keep him earning an NFL paycheck. Then, Zierlein of The Athletic, this was taken from Packers Wire, quote, Cornerback turns safety with good athletic traits for the safety position and rare physicality from a former corner. Johnson has grown into a safety's frame, but is versatile enough to play near the line of scrimmage or line up over the slot. He moves fluidly with good play speed, but is still processing angles and coverage responsibilities at his new position. He will come downhill and hit anything near the line of scrimmage with everything he's got, but he needs to learn to control his aggression to become a more consistent tackler. Johnson's traits, versatility, and toughness give him a chance to become a starting safety or nickel safety. And then Kuiper had him as a safety 11. I think something that we hadn't really talked about yet um, is that everyone says, like, character through the roof. Like, he was, like, one of the leaders on that team at Iowa State. He was, everyone has only glowing things to say about him. So that's always something you want to add to your locker room. Sounds like he's going to be willing to do the dirty work on special teams. Um, and yeah. for me... Uh, and so, and Gutekunst had something to say about that as well. Um, this is also taken from Packers Wires. Quote, go back to the versatility we're talking about. Um, and then also the one thing that sold us on him was he was the top of football. Quote, he was the top of football character as you can possibly get the way they talk about him there. That was one of those fun calls to make sure uh, to make because the wiring was exactly what we were looking for. And so that seems to be kind of what drew the Packers to him as well. Um, for me, my kind of impressions of him is, I think he's pretty solid. He's pretty good, especially for where they got him. Um, I like that he has experience at corner as well as safety. Um, I think it's good to have versatility on the back end, especially in a team that doesn't have a ton of depth right now in the secondary. Um, we talk about the safety depth not being great, but honestly, the corner depth after the first three, like after Douglas, Jair, and then we don't even know when Stokes is going to be ready. I mean, the next corner up is is Nixon, and then but after that, it's like well, yeah, right now Nixon's basically the starting the slot, starter, so and then the next guy is Valentine or John Charles or Valentine, and so it's like there's there's some question marks there. Um, so it's like, hey, if Nixon goes down, maybe Johnson Jr. can step into that slot role. Um, he played a lot in the slot. Um, he's played corner before. He's played safety. Having that versatility on the back end, I think, is a good thing. Um, I like that he's at least getting to the spots in run defense and he's trying to hit him with everything he's got. I think it's, yeah. you know, I think it's just got to, it just reminds me a little bit of like, it's going to be a little like early savage vibe where he takes the wrong angle. It comes charging in and gets beat. So he's probably still learning what the angles need to be yes. from the safety position. And I think it's easy to project improvement there because, you know, he's only played the position for a year. So it's like, it's a lot of new things he's learning and I'm sure that's going to have his head spinning a bit, but I think there's a very real possibility that we see him play some meaningful snaps at safety because that there's going to be a lot of snaps up for grabs for safety. Dad, what did you kind of think about him? So my first loss, as I said, I basically felt they had to pick a safety um, despite it being a poor year for them. And I feel like Johnson was one of the higher upside ones available. And getting him in the seventh round is basically a steal. Um, I think he, so what did he have? It was like that 15th safety taken overall and, well, Kuiper had him as the eleventh, so that's a pretty good bargain. Though uh, Brugler had him had him a little lower, but in terms of finding a safety in this class who has some upside, has some athletic ability, um, I'm surprised he was still available. Actually, considering yeah. and and the other the safeties who were left last, I think two more safeties taken before the end of the draft. I, I liked him better than those guys, and I think I, I liked him better than a couple of the safeties who went before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, and a class so, that, that was struggling for athleticism at that position, I'm I'm also equally surprised he lasted that long. And I think Andy Herman of Packaday said, like, the the my biggest gripe with the Packers draft is that they waited too long to pick Johnson Jr. and like he might have been gone. I think was was one quote, which is like, the, a lot of Packers people are very excited about him and and for good reason. Yeah, I've heard a lot of podcasters just talk about how happy they were that they got him. This guy had their eye on. Um, it seems like a lot of people would have been happier with the draft if they got the same two players, but put picked, flipped Johnson and Carlson. I think or Johnson one, or Johnson and Clifford. That was the one I was going to say. I saw a lot of people being like, "Just think of Clifford going in the seventh and Johnson going in the fifth. But hey, hey, Clifford apparently had a very nice day. Uh, we're getting off the rails again, but Clifford had a very nice day at OTAs three. Really, par- that's something we didn't talk about. We were talking about OTAs, but his uh, what two minute drill. 
we're at. I think it was. Look, it's looking really good. Of recording time, I'm not adding content to talk about how good Sean Clifford looked with the third stringers and how he went seven of eleven in the two minute drill. Just something to and just something to keep in mind. He was very good in the two minute drill. <laughs> Quarterback controversy hashtag. He should. I I think he's going to be the second guy. I don't see why he wouldn't. Be I above think that's that been way. their plan from the beginning. Yeah. Since they drafted him, that he's gonna that they're okay. planning for him. We are to be not their talking about Clifford in this episode, Dad. Do, do, do you have anything else you want to add about Johnson? We, ha- we aren't. I think we already. I think we just did. Or should we just wrap this up? <laughs> so, anything more about Johnson? Um, I think that was the main thing. Yeah, I think um, that's the main. So thing. he's yeah, he's got. Uh, I, I think they 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 got a really good value for their pick, and I think like mostly, I was pretty happy with their seventh rounders. Yes. I think, in fact, I'm, I think if I'm ranking the seventh rounders, um, I definitely go Johnson Jr., Debose, um, Valentine, Nichols. I think is ha- in mm-hmm. my order of excitement for them. Yeah, that's a, that's fair. I think I feel the same way. Yeah, but you know, a lot to be excited about with these rookies. This is the last of our rookie deep dives, but we're still going to be bringing you an episode of week, oh, an episode a week going forward, talking about really anything we can. We'll probably talk a little bit about the schedule. Um, looking forward since we haven't done a whole deep dive into that we got time to make content now we can do whatever we want it's our show we'll do we'll do what we <laughs> want to do we're going to be inventing content because now that we finished talking about the draft let's suppose there, there's mini camp mandatory yeah. mini camp next week but we have some we have some time and we'll probably talk a little bit about mini camp we'll be talking about um, maybe our hot takes for the year but come listen maybe, because- maybe we'll talk about some data dives that we've been doing uh Yes, I have a bunch of box and whisker plots downloaded to my hard drive right now that are just begging to be talked about. And if that is, is, is that is you, that what is that what caused your hard drive to fill up and crash? Yes, if that doesn't give you a ton of excitement for future episodes, nothing else will. But anyway, we'll be talking about practice. We'll be talking about yep. everything. I was doing some aggression analysis of a whole bunch of different positions. So, oh, oh yeah, good stuff. Statistics is fun. But anyway, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Father Sun Packer. Everywhere this, else, Father this Sun reminds Packer me. Podcast. This reminds me of. Uh, Community. I don't care about statistics. I only care about like you're you're not you know, gonna let me do the yardage, outro, huh? You're not gonna let me do the <laughs> show at all. You're just gonna keep dragging this out. Thank you for listening. You can find us anywhere. I'm about to get Father cut Son, off. Father Son Packers <laughs> podcast. Um, come subscribe to us wherever. Subscribe to us on YouTube and help our numbers. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. <laughs>